Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. What a beautiful Sunday, amen? So good to be in God's house. Turn the person next to you and say, man, you look a little more tan this week than you did last week already. Wow. It's awesome. For some, sunburned. And, uh, but um, man, the sun just does something, doesn't it? Just brings out some life in us. And so thanks for being here. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name's Taylor. And it's also Super Bowl weekend. And uh, I know that we, we don't need a spirit of rivalry in the house, but that's for later. If you want the Bengals to win, just show of hands. Let's see. Come on. If you want the Rams to win, let's see. Lord Jesus, we pray that the Bengals will beat the Rams. In Jesus' name we pray. We prayed for it. Just kidding. Just kidding. Whoever wins, wins. Who's just there for the, for the halftime show? All the entertainment, the good food, all that, right? Okay, bring it back to Jesus. Important things, right? But all kidding aside, uh, we're just so glad you're here on this, on this amazing Sunday. We're in a series called The Way Forward. And uh, Pastor Ray, Pastor Dan, and myself, we've been going through a series looking at the letters of the Apostle Paul, who wrote a number of the letters in the New Testament to a number of churches and to different people, people groups, and as an encouragement on how the church is called to move forward. Paul was a church planter. He was a missionary. He planted these churches, and a lot of his letters were back encouraging them on how to move forward. In fact, this is where this, the heart of the series comes from Paul's letter in Philippians chapter three, where he says this to the church in Philippi, brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Amen, we haven't arrived yet. We're still on a journey. But one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain toward to what's ahead. I press on to the goal to win the prize, which God has in heavenward in Christ Jesus. How many know that God's got great things ahead for us? That as we just continue to pursue him, we look to him, his plan is better than our plan. We continue to lean into what God has for us. I believe we can say that corporally and I think we can say that individually for you. I believe God's got such a great plan for your life and it's better than what's ahead than what's behind. The Bible says it this way, God goes from grace to grace and from glory to glory. In other words, there's been great things in the past, but those things are only to propel us to what God has ahead of us. In other words, we continue on this journey until we get to heaven, which is the greatest thing we get to look forward to. Amen. And so this is the heart of, of this series. This weekend, I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the passage I want us to look at together. And it's a letter from Paul to his mentee. Paul and Timothy have this mentor-mentee type relationship. Now, it's really awesome for us to get a glimpse into this because a lot of times Paul writes to churches. He writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes to the church in Galatia. He writes to the church in Thessalonica. But for this letter, we get to see a very personal note that Paul writes to his mentee, his son in the faith. And I think what he says in this passage is so applicable um, for us this morning. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I invite you one more time to stand to your feet, if you would, for the reading of the word. 2 Timothy 1, we're going to be in verses 3 through 7, and I'm going to spend all of our time here together just looking at these verses. And this is what Paul says to Timothy, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says these words, I thank God for whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. 
I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, amen, but of power and of love and of self-control. I want to speak this weekend from this title, The Way Forward is Being Refreshed. Everyone say refreshed. Being refreshed in the Lord. Let's, let's pray one more time. Jesus, we just submit under your word. God, I love Calvary Community Church and just the people in this room and just all you're doing through this body of believers. It's just humbling to get to be a part of this. And Lord, we just look at your word as followers of you and we, we take these words and we want to apply them to our life. We want them to go deep into our soul. Lord, shape us in these brief moments we have together to be people of hope. God, as we look around at the culture and the climate that we find ourselves in, it's lacking hope. And yet we are not without a solution because you are our solution. And we as the church, as we become more like you, we become the people that bring light and salt to this world. So shape us to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So yesterday, the, the beautiful weather, I'm, I'm thinking about the message. And it's funny when you're message prepping and you're kind of spend the whole week thinking about a passage, all these things you begin to see through a new lens and a new light. Because, and so I'm doing yard work yesterday in the beautiful weather. And we have this truck at our house uh, that actually was my truck when I was in high school. And uh, we still have it. And it's been like our, our kind of our yard truck. And my plan is this to be Liam, our 10-month-old. This is going to be his truck too one day. Where's all the frugal people at, right? We're going to pass this truck down multi-generations, okay? So yesterday, I, I load up the back of the truck with a bunch of, you know, yard stuff and all that. And I'm getting ready to go and I go to start the truck and it doesn't start, right? Have you ever been there? This is just the worst. Car trouble is the worst. Can we just get an amen in the house of God for that, right? Always at the most inconvenient time, all that kind of stuff, right? So I go to start, I'm like, okay. So I bring another car out. I get, I get it jumped and it starts. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I let it run for a while. And then I'm like, okay, just a, a brief little hiccup in my day. Things are gonna be good, right? Put the car in reverse, the truck in reverse, and it begins to like squeal out loud. Now, I don't know what vibe I put off from you, but I'm not very mechanical. <laughs> and the fact that you laugh just affirms that in all sorts of ways. So I don't know what happened with, my, with this truck, but I back it out and actually about 30 seconds later, I get a text from my wife, you woke up the baby. I'm like, I, this is great, right? This is awesome. So truck this, this squealing, I, I pull out, got it started. I go to put the blinker on and the blinker doesn't work, right? This is, this is great. And I'm like, okay, here we are. Find out the tabs are expired. This is just a winning. Police officer, don't, I got them fixed. That's okay, we're good. But, and then uh, I, the gas is almost gone, right? So I'm like going up the hill and it's like, if I don't go to the gas station right now, I'm gonna actually run out of gas, right? So it's just all these series of events and I'm going up the hill and I'm like, okay, it's a beautiful day out. I'm gonna roll down the windows. The windows don't even work, right? I mean, this is just, it's just a series of events in the old white pickup truck in the Ford household. And it was interesting though, as I'm 
as I'm message prepping and I'm thinking about this message, it's like the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, all this happened for a reason because you needed to use this for a sermon analogy. <laughs> because here's where I want you to think about. How many of our souls are like that old white truck today? A little beaten up, a little bit tired, needs a little bit of maintenance, a little bit of work. Uh, all the events, as I'm looking in this room, I see, some, I see business leaders, I see some teachers, there's some principals in here. I'm not gonna call anyone out, but there's some, there's some doctors even in this room right now. There, there's leaders of, of organizations, there's, uh, there's, there's moms and there's dads. And how many know that this cultural climate we find ourselves in, our, our soul can be very weary, a lot like a broken down truck. And you might be here this morning and that might be how you feel. You might feel, okay, on the inside. On the outside, I can, I can put it all together. But on the inside, it's a little bit broken. It's a little bit hurting. This is where we find ourselves in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes this very personal letter to Timothy. Paul's in a jail cell in Rome. He's under the, under the emperor Nero in this era. If, if you know anything about history and church history, this was not a very good time to be a Christian. Paul, as a distinguished leader in the church, as someone who had made a big influence, his life is on the line. And he knows this is probably his last letter he'll pen to Timothy. And quite possibly, this might be the last letter that Paul ever wrote. From a jail cell in Rome. But he hears, he hears a notice that his mentee, his son in the faith, Timothy, is struggling as well. You see, Timothy, at this time, he was leading the church in Ephesus. He was leading the church. We have the book of Ephesians. Timothy was the leader of that church at this time. It was a big church, one of Paul's largest churches that he planted. And it was was a big job. It was stressful. There were multiple locations of the church in Ephesus. There was a lot of people. There were problems. It was not easy. And Paul wants to send this parting letter to Timothy for, for Timothy's soul was tired and it was weary. Has anyone been there before? Who's here this morning and your soul's tired and your soul's weary? Well, my prayer this week as I've been prepping and and planning and just believing for God, my prayer is in these next 25 minutes together, this can be just a refreshment to your soul through the letters of scripture from Paul to Timothy. I believe however you find yourself in here this morning, that these are the words of life that God can energize your soul. Uh, Our circumstances might not always change, amen? (laughs) But we, we can decide how we're going to respond to those things. And being refreshed in the Lord is such an important thing. And this is what Paul wants Timothy to see. The first thing, we want to be refreshed. I want to say refreshed. If you want to be refreshed in the Lord, according to Paul to Timothy, we must remember that our faith must be sincere. If you want to be refreshed in the Lord, our faith must be sincere. I'm going to read those first couple verses that I read to start off. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And then it says this, I'm reminded of your what? What's it say? Sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. While Timothy's feeling discouraged and beaten down, the Apostle Paul wants to remind him of a sincere foundation that his faith was built upon. And I was thinking about what this means for us. God, God wants us in the most real, vulnerable, open and honest place we can be in our souls. God wants us in a sincere place with him. 
God wants our faith to be built upon a sincere foundation. He wants our response and our life to faith to be of a sincere and genuine response. In other words, God can't bless the fake you. God, God, God can only bless the you that, to which that is real with him. As I'm reading and I'm processing this scripture, commentator after commentator after commentator, that just means people that have studied the Bible and I put some commentary to it, will say, you don't, have, you don't have true refreshment in your soul without repentance, without honesty, without saying, God, this is where I'm really at and this is where I feel I need you to meet me. God, and we see this, Paul reminds him, your, your foundation is sincere. I, I wanna just do a side teaching just for a moment on between Paul and Timothy. This is mentor to mentee. I believe every single person, regardless of your age, every adult in this room needs to have someone that's pouring into them and we need to have someone that we're pouring into. I believe this is the call of God for all of us to have uh, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers and for us to have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. We see this all throughout scripture and I think it is such a powerful reality for the church. And so Paul, he shows us the example of what a spiritual father does. And in fact, we see this. He says that he thinks about him constantly. Spiritual father is someone that thinks about their mentee, their son in the faith constantly. He recalls the moments that they had together. In other words, he remembers Timothy's tears. And I can almost imagine Paul writing this with tears in his eyes, knowing that he won't get to see his spiritual son ever again until they get to heaven, amen. But he recalls their times together. He has this deep desire to be together. This is what spiritual fathers and mothers should be, to desire to be with younger people, desire to be with the next generation, desire to be with those that they can pour into, desire to talk about their experiences. Uh, my friend Connor and I, we have a mentor, his name was Dr. Smith. And he lives in Kentucky now, but when we were in college at SPU, he was a spiritual father to both of us. And at the end of the day, he always texts me still. This is years later. He like lives in, he's always texts me, hey, Taylor, do you remember that one time this happened? Remember that one time this happened? That one time we laughed so hard that we cried. That one time we prayed together about these things and God showed up. In other words, we're called to have these people in our lives that pour into us and that we pour into. And we see this in Paul and Timothy. This is why these are one of the avenues that God builds a sincere, everyone say sincere, a sincere faith within us. When we have people that are pouring into our lives, it brings a sincerity to our faith and makes it real, makes it honest. In fact, it's been the people in my life that have pushed me and challenged me forward in being honest in being vulnerable before God and others that actually strengthened me, actually gave me something strength for my soul. And so we don't only see this in Paul and Timothy. We also see this in Timothy's actual family. I love what it said. It said that his faith from his grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice is now in Timothy. Amen. That, that this faith that he had, it wasn't just something that he just stumbled upon. I wanna remind us this weekend, church, to have a sincere faith. We need to have sincere faith in our households. Our, our young people, our kids, my kid, your kids, our kids together, the, the, the next generation of this church needs to see and needs to be modeled by a bunch of adults what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. In other words, we can't take this to chance anymore. I love what it says in 2 Timothy. It says, you, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, 
knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And there's this popular verse that a lot of us know, because all scripture is inspired by God, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, so that we might become who we are called to be. Timothy had been persuaded in the faith. Timothy had to make a decision for himself to follow Jesus. He had to, be, he had to make that decision that this is what he was going to do. But make no mistake about it, he was immersed in the scriptures. He was prayed for. He was brought to church. And who knows, I don't think we'll ever know, but who knows if Timothy would have ever found Paul if it wouldn't have been for the faith of grandma and mom. I mean, I don't know. Friends, we must have a sincere faith. Our kids need to see a sincere faith in us. They need to see something real in us. They need to see something genuine in us. We as a church, we need some more Loises and Eunices. People that don't just see this current generation as a lost cause, but as an untapped potential. People that don't just see this current generation as the problem, but actually because of their lack of mentorship, they're actually the solution. They just need to be shown the way. I want to remind us that our kids, they, don't just, they won't just stumble upon growing up in their faith. They must be shown the word of God. We gotta continue as a church. These, this hour on a Sunday morning where we're in here being filled up by the word of God and our kids are in Calvary kids being filled up by the word of God. How many would just agree this is the, probably the most important hour of the week, if not one of them? That our, our kids get to be around other Christians and they get to be around other people that are pouring into them. I have, I have three examples of a, of a sincere faith that came to my mind this week. The first one is, and, and my mom and grandma and dad are all here at the service. My sister and the whole fam was here. And I remember growing up, we were a minivan family. Anyone just love minivans? Come on. Some, of, some people are really passionate about that, right? I wanted to be an Escalade family, but we were a minivan family, okay? <laughs> and uh, I remember we were growing up, and uh, we would, we'd have to drive a little bit to school. It was about 20... 20, 25 minutes of school. I remember uh, my mom would always uh, put Spirit 105.3 on and would make, would give us hot chocolate. And then I think I was in fourth grade and I got coffee. I've never been the same ever, ever again, never since that moment. Praise God. <laughs> never going back to hot chocolate ever again. Just give me the real stuff. Coffee, come on. And, uh, but we'd go to school on her way to school, and I remember, and at the moment, I don't think I liked it in the moment. But in the moment, she'd say, hey, we gotta recite our Bible verses. Isaiah chapter 40, Psalms chapter 23, Psalms chapter 119, Romans chapter eight, John three sixteen. all these passages of scripture that were hidden in my heart from a young age. How many of you know when I have rough days, what I go back to? The scripture is hidden in my heart. Sincere faith. Sincere faith. I was thinking this week, I was in the guest room prepping. My wife's like, hey, you go and get some quiet time. You can work on the message. I'm in the, and I, but I could hear the whole thing. When you have a 10th month old, everything's loud and all that stuff. So she's, she's in there getting Liam ready for bed. And she reads him a book and then she puts him 
changes his diaper, puts him in his bedtime stuff, and then she begins to pray for him. Lord, would you just bless Liam? Would he become a man of God? Would he be raised up in the ways of God? Would he know your love and your grace through the people in his life, through his grandma, through his great-grandma, through his mom, through his dad, through his aunt, through all the, may he know the ways of God and may he be a man of character. I'm not gonna lie, that was an emotional moment for me as a dad. To hear a mom pray for my son, her son. Moms, dads, don't mistake the prayers you pray, God hears, and they matter. And God hears them and God cares. And God, the first thing he wants to do is he wants to work in our families through us and through the prayers of how we pray for our kids. It was funny, at the end of her prayer, she said, and Lord, I pray that he sleeps all through the night. And I shout, amen, yes, amen, that one. A sincere faith. Who's here today because someone prayed for you? I'm here today because my grandma, my mom, my dad showed me the way. And may it be so. May there be a sincerity in our faith that we have as well. The third example of a sincere faith this week, and I actually was was having kind of a a long day, Wednesday or Thursday, and I was on, on my way home, and one of our leaders asked me to call her. And she said, hey, I just have some awesome news to, to share with you. And uh, what, what we did this last Sunday is we had every high school student and our leaders, we wrote prayer requests and we filled the altar. And I told our students, I said, we're gonna believe in faith that God's gonna answer these. He's gonna answer it one of three ways. He's gonna say yes, he's gonna say no, or he's gonna say maybe later. And so we said, okay. We, we put them here, we compiled them, we made a list, and all of our leaders have been praying for these every single day this week. And uh, this is her story to tell, but... And, the way I took it was that there was a surgery that she was supposed to have, and this was years and years. I think she said seven years that she was supposed to have this surgery. And all of a sudden, she went to the doctor this week, and the doctor was like, we actually don't have to have the surgery anymore. Something has happened. Wow. Come on, we can give God praise for that. God does a great thing. And I might have got parts of that story wrong, but this is what I took from that. We got to be sincere in our faith, church. God, when, when sincere people pray sincere prayers with sincere faith, I believe God answers. And can I just tell you this to even a further extent? You want to know the most refreshing thing for a mom? Pray for her son. You want to know the ref- most refreshing thing for a leader? Hear how God's working in the church. You want to mo- know the most refreshing thing for a Christ follower is to reflect and have this remembrance, just like Paul had for Timothy on the ways that we were brought up in the Lord. This is refreshing, church. We, we got to bring, bring some life into our soul by thinking about these kinds of things. This is what it says in Isaiah. Maybe this is a good verse for you to think about this week. When I, I will pour water on the thirsty land. In other words, on the thirsty soul, God will bring his life and the living water and streams onto the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and blessing upon your descendants. Being refreshed in the Lord comes when we have a sincere, a sincere faith. Number two, according to, to Paul, to Timothy, being refreshed in the Lord is about rekindling the flame of the gift of God. It's about rekindling the flame of the gift of God. I'm gonna read verse six. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying on of hands. I want to remind you, Timothy, as we've talked about, was raised in the faith. He was persuaded in the faith, yet still encouraged to fan into flame the gift that God had in him. In other words, this isn't just going to happen. That when we come to know Jesus, he gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us a, a calling, but that calling starts as a spark and that spark must be fanned into flame. Is this making sense this morning? All of us have an opportunity to live into the gift or the gifts that God's given us, but it doesn't just happen. And I'm so thankful that in this room this morning, and as this room has been filled three times this weekend, every single person has a calling and a gift from God that is so unique to you. And it's, we're called to fan it into flame. In other words, I'm so grateful we're not a bunch of robots that we just kind of operate like little robot people. This is my robot, whatever that looks like. Don't judge my journey, right? At the end of the day, though, like, you have something unique to offer the body of Christ. God has something that he's put within you. Maybe, maybe it's this. I wrote down a few of the gifts that are straight from Scripture. Maybe you have a gift of leadership. Maybe you have the gift of teaching, the gift of hospitality, of serving, giving, healing, discernment, encouragement, wisdom, evangelism, faith. So many different gifts that are in the Scriptures that you may or may not know are in you. Some of these gifts are in you today. When you've come to know Jesus, he says, I have given you some of these things for the enrichment of the body of Christ. Is this making sense this morning? And we're called to live into those things. We're called to fan into flame the gifts that God has given us. They don't just happen, but they're called out. They're stirred, they're sharpened, they're fanned into flame. If you're not sure of what your spiritual gifts are, um, if you haven't gone through Rooted, that's a great first step because we talk about that in Rooted. But if you've gone through Rooted and you're in a life group or you're in a community, I would so encourage you to do a study on some of the spiritual gifts and then lay hands as, as Paul did to Timothy, lay hands on one another and pray those gifts into existence. This making sense this morning? Like pray, God, I believe so-and-so has the gift of shepherding. Yet she seems or he seems to have just a shepherd's heart. I pray that gift over them. So-and-so has the gift of teaching. Lord, I pray that this gift would come to life and it would bless our church. We do this at leadership retreats a lot of times. We just took our college that Pastor Daniel talked to. We went on a retreat and we, we put a chair in the middle and we just start laying hands on people and just praying the gift of God over their life. Have you ever been laid hands on and prayed for? My encouragement this week, find a place to make that happen. If you need someone to do that, our pastors, our team, we would love to do that for you. Because this is what we're called to be, to fan into flame the gift of God. But I think this is what happens. And maybe there's some of us in this room this morning. I think what happens if, if we put the things of the world, I need you to hear me here, things of being overloaded, things of materialism, things of careerism, money, status, all these things, if they begin to be our first thing, I don't believe that we lose our spiritual gift. I believe our spiritual gift just turns to embers. The flame that God wants in you when your priorities are misplaced and some things go first before God's priorities, your gifts, they turn to embers. Where God wants to fan the flame in you, you, you feel as if your gifts are dormant. And for lack of a better term, this morning, when the things of the world take priority over the things of God and our soul on the inside gets tired and weary, 
I might use the word burnout this morning. Have you been there? No, don't raise your hand, but think about it. Where your soul just gets so tired, weary, beat up, burnout. In fact, Ruth Haley Barden, she says burnout looks a lot like this. Irritability and hypersensitivity. No one point or nudge anyone this morning. Just look at the screens. They're up there. Restlessness. Compulsive overworking. Emotional numbness. Escapist behaviors. Disconnected from our identity and our calling. Not able to attend to human needs. Things like sleep and even practical things like staying organized and all those things we're not able to attend to. We hoard energy. In other words, we don't give energy to people that we should because we're scared they're going to take too much from us. We hoard that energy. Or slippage in the spiritual practices. Burnout. And burnout sometimes happens by our own doing. But sometimes burnout happens just because of the places we are at. I want to just, like, maybe empathize with all of us this morning and just remind us we're human beings. And we feel the things, even though as much as we are spiritual people and we have faith in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God is within us, we are also affected, our souls are also affected by the things of the world. Are they not? Do we not feel with the things of the world? And sometimes if we don't have proper things we do to continue to fuel our soul, the flame of the gift of God that wants to light like a fire within us to ignite the gifts within us to impact the church and impact the world, they turn to embers because of burnout. And this is what Haley Ruth Barton, who that first list, she says, if you feel burnt out, how do you bounce back from burnout? Maybe this would be helpful to someone this morning. You need to check your ambitions, check your why this morning. It's so easy to forget your why. I wonder this morning, if you've just been going so, you've been so busy, you've been going a thousand miles an hour, you forgot why you went into what you went into. Maybe you've forgotten that this was the passion that God ignited within you, but it's been so crazy, you forgot your why. How about this? You gotta know yourself. How do you bounce back from burnout? You gotta know yourself. There, there's, there's, this, there's these guardrails we have to put on our lives. We're human beings. We gotta know when we need to rest, Amen. We gotta know when we need to say no to something or to say yes to the right thing or to, to say no to these things that have been draining us and to say yes to the things. We gotta know ourselves. The third one, you have to live into your identity and your calling. In other words, you are a son and a daughter. And I, I say this with so much confidence this morning. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And he has created you to live in such a time as this, at this time, in these moments, in this cultural time we live in. You were meant to be here. And he has given you everything that you have in order to weather this season. You can't forget that. You gotta remind yourself of that every single day. I'm a child of God. I have been loved and cared for. He created me with these gifts that are in me. And then the last thing Ruth Haley Barton says, she says, you need to practice solitude and silence. These things are the things that bounce us back from burnout because church, the Great Commission's too important for too many of us to be on the sidelines. What God's trying to do in the church right now is too important for those of us to be out. 
And there's times for healing, there's times to retreat, there's times to get healthy and to get whole, but then we gotta get back in the game. There's a place for you in the body of Christ and what you offer and how you offer it in the uh, context of believers is so important in church. We, just, we need all of us to step into those gifts and not just step into them timidly, but to step into them with passion and with fanning the flame of the gift of God within us. Maybe these words from Jesus would be powerful for you this morning. Come to me. It's not these just sinking. Come to me and insert your name. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Your gifts, church, they need to be stirred. If you feel stagnant today, get back to the spiritual disciplines, get back to the word of God, get back to prayer, get back to community, get back to giving, get back to serving. Get back to sharing what God's done. All these things that we talk about all the time, they're meant to fan the flame of the gift of God within you. And the last thing about being refreshed in the Lord, as we're gonna take communion in just a moment, the last thing is that the result of these things, the result when you know who you are and you have a sincere faith, the result, according to Timothy, is that we would have power, love, and self-discipline. It's right from the scriptures that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This word power, it means dynamos in the Greek. It's like the word we get dynamite from. Like you as a, we as followers of Jesus, there should be something that comes from our life of something of power. Something that makes a difference. And, And you don't gotta force this when you have a sincere faith and you are fanning the gift of the flame of God inside of your soul, this power just kind of comes to your life. And things don't make sense. All of a sudden you're a part of something and, and your gifts come out and all of a sudden God uses you. Who's been there before? You're like, I don't know how that all happened, but somehow God just used me right there. That's the gift of God coming through your life and power. But the power of God is best manifested through love. The power of God is best manifested through sacrificial love. In fact, this is what Jesus says. He says, he's with his disciples and he says, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says, with his disciples. And so what does he decide to do? He takes off his outer layer of his garment as there's many layers and he kneels down, he begins to wash his disciples' feet as the greatest example of sacrificial love. When the power of God, when the dynamos of God, the power of God comes into your life, Love comes through your life. And now you serve your spouse. You sacrifice for your spouse. You serve your kids. You serve your workplace. People are like, what's different about so-and-so? I don't know, except for the power of God has come through your life and it manifests itself through sacrificial love. It's Valentine's Day on Monday, by the way. Buy your flowers, guys. Love. But at the end of the day, this is God's call for us. That we would serve. And we would give back. We wouldn't just be stagnant, but fanning the flame of the gift of God means that we don't have a spirit of fear anymore. We have a spirit of power that's manifested itself through love. And then this last word as we close is self-discipline. Self-discipline is this idea that the flesh will always want what the flesh wants. And it's things of instant gratification. And this is manifest in all sorts of ways in our life. But what what self-discipline says is what the flesh wants is not what the soul needs. 
The flesh can want all these things, but what the soul needs is different. So I'm gonna say no to the things of the flesh so I can say yes to the things of the soul, to the things that give me real life. And other translations, as we read self-discipline, it actually means a calm mind. Where your mind might be going a thousand miles an hour right now. How refreshing to say, we're not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and yes, a calm mind. Calm your mind this morning, church. Let's be the types of people that are refreshing. Let's be the types of people that when people look at us, have you ever been around someone that's like every time you're around them, you're like, yes, I feel a little bit of fresh air. Can we be those types of people to others? And as we are, watch how God will provide those types of people to you. Bible says the person who refreshes others will always be refreshed by others. It says that in Proverbs. Let's be that. We're gonna end with a time of communion. And I don't know if there's any other way that refreshment comes except for the remembering the importance of communion. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. This team's gonna lead us in a song and then at the end I'll come up and I'll lead us through these moments of communion. But let's reflect. Let's think about what God said to us this morning.